How many of you guys had a good Thanksgiving this last Thursday? Did anybody get full? Anybody get full? Man, I got so full, and uh, we're actually doing a, a sermon today, a message that I think is pretty relevant after Thanksgiving, because sometimes when you get all that family together, you get all those friends together, you get that weird uncle in the room, conflict happens in family. How many of you guys have a family where you've never fought in your life? Raise your hands, being honest. Come on, so <laughs> no fights. I know, I, I understand. We've got, we've got some perfect people here at Kalos Church. No issues, no drama, no untouchable subjects to bring up at the table. It's all just peaceful and serene and calm. Amen? How many of you guys know we're all lying right now? <laughs> and so with the Thanksgiving going on, right now and just passed, we realized that conflict is a regular part of community. When you get lots of people in the same place at the same time, there's going to be argument, there's going to be a fight, there's going to be a conflict. And so I want to talk about a few scriptures today and how we can talk about conflict today in a healthy manner. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. When you get two friends together sharpening each other, there's going to be sparks. Whenever I sharpen my knives at home, there's sparks all over the place. I never sharpen my knives at home, uh, but I could assume that there'd be lots of sparks if that happened. <laughs> there's gonna be sparks, and I, I really think one of the biggest community killers that we can experience is that when there are conflicts, then when there are fights, or when there are issues, we tend to, as a people and as a society, we avoid conflict. We avoid those hard conversations. We avoid those awkward, difficult confrontations. And I believe that that is one of the biggest community killers that we can really experience. It's when we're afraid to confront people. And so I want to challenge us out of this Bible verse, Ephesians 4.15, that says this, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So today, my challenge for us is that I want to challenge all of you guys to have a hard conversation with someone. I want you to have the difficult conversation. I want you to confront an issue head on. So why don't you look at someone to your left or to your right and say, hey, hey, no pressure, but I really need to talk to you after service today. <laughs> I'm serious, not rhetorical. <laughs> I want to encourage all of us to have a hard conversation. You know, I, I realize that many of us avoid these hard conversations. We, we end up, you know, in the shower, we're thinking about witty comebacks we could have said to someone, anybody like me, you're about a day late with the perfect argument, the perfect witty statement. And for some reason, in our conversation showers or in our imagination, we always win the conversation. We always win the argument. But I want to challenge us to confront things in a biblical way, to bring people into our problems. We're going to unpack more scripture and why this is so important. And typically, many of us respond in some unusual way. In fact, I like to do this because it helps me think. Uh, I found some text message 
confrontations and some Facebook thread confrontations that I think will help you guys understand how we typically deal with some issues we face in friendship reality. Can we put up some of those pictures? All right, hey, why aren't you returning my calls? I can explain. Then explain. I like my ringtone. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, next one. How much do you love me? Well, look at the stars and count them. That's how much I love you, but it's morning. Exactly. Bird! <laughs> All right, one more. Without the ugly in this world, there would be nothing beautiful. Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> and then I like, I like, they put a link. List of burn centers in the United States <laughs> because they just got burned. <laughs> we deal with conflict in a variety of ways. And I think one of the most dangerous things, though, is when we don't deal with the issues we're facing at all. When I was in high school, I woke up one day and I was so mad at my youth pastor. I went to this church that was uh, designed for just high schoolers. It was part of a larger church, but they had a special service just for the youth. And I woke up one day, I was so angry at my youth pastor. His name was Garth. And... Uh, I was uh, just steaming and stewing and thinking about all the things I was going to say to him. And uh, finally, I, uh, I couldn't hold it in anymore, but I didn't want to talk to him because he had said something to me publicly really mean that I felt was degrading and demeaning. And I was arguing in my head, oh, if I ever see him, I'm going to say this. But he's a youth pastor. He's supposed to be perfect. So I don't know if I'm going to say anything at all. I'm just going to let it go. But I found myself getting angry and angry and angry and just rageful and mad. And it was getting like this pent up pressure. And I couldn't stop thinking about what he had said to me. He, he treated me in a way, especially as a youth, and he's my youth pastor. He treated me in a way that nobody should ever be treated. So like after hours of just thinking about this, I, I thought, all right, I'm going to confront him. I'm not just going to let this grow inside of me. I'm going to walk up to him and say, hey, that was not cool. So I walk up to Pastor Garth and I say, hey, I would really like to talk to you right now. He's like, okay. All right. I said, hey, how dare you? That's not a rhetorical question. Answer it right now. How dare you? He's like, what are you talking about? I said, you said the most mean word to me. You said the, the like most degrading phrases over me and in front of people nonetheless. How dare you? Why would you do that? And he said, Pradeepin, what did I say to you? I said, you, you were just calling me like an idiot and I wasn't good enough and I, and I wasn't really going places and I had all these issues to work on. And he said, when did I say that? I said, well, you, you said it at the pool last week. And uh, I just, I can't hang on to this anymore. I just need to let you know I'm not okay with this. He said, at the pool? Uh, did we go to a pool last week? And then it hit me. I realized that I had a very vivid dream in which my youth pastor was at the pool with me <laughs> in front of a lot of people yelling at me, calling me all sorts of mean things and phrases. And uh, I realized, oh my goodness, this is not going to go well for me. <laughs> I said, Pastor Garth, uh, well, this is awkward. Actually, no, you, you never said those things to me. <laughs> we never went to the pool last week. I had a bad dream, and now I'm confronting you about it. <laughs> he said, well, hey, 
I love you. <laughs> let, me, let me pray for you and let me tell you how much I love you. <laughs> and what was the stewing issue inside of me that was growing and growing and growing? Because I was able to confront it and take the issue to him and to try to settle the matter directly with him, this issue resolved really, really fast. But many of us, we don't try to resolve issues really fast. What do we do when something happens to us? We tell everybody about the problem we have with someone except for the person we have to have this discussion with. We are willing to gossip about someone saying, hey, I can't believe my boss is treating me this way. I can't believe they said this. Well, have you talked to your boss? No, I would never tell them how I truly feel. I would never tell them I have this problem. Or, oh man, I have this, this, uh, this, this coworker or this roommate or my spouse or you know my friend, they're doing this and this and this and I just can't stand it. Have you told them? No, I would never tell them that. Okay, well, there's a reason we avoid conflict and I think it is one of the biggest community killers we face. Because when we avoid conflict, when we refuse to have hard conversations, it just creates room for gossip. It creates room for bad thoughts to develop in our mind. It creates room for us to develop paradigms about someone that may not even be reality in the first place like I had with my youth pastor. Why do we avoid conflict? Why do we, why do we avoid hard conversations? Well, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but when someone says to me, hey, Pradeepin, uh, we need to talk. I, I have a problem with something you're doing. My, my palms immediately get sweaty. I mean, mom's spaghetti everywhere. I get like super nervous. I'm like, I need to get some deodorant. Like, what are they gonna say? Or like, hey, I have something, I have something I need to talk to you about in a month. And so I'm, for a month, I'm just thinking about, oh my goodness, are they gonna murder me? <laughs> like, what is going to happen? It's just so scary. But I, I think there's some common reasons why we avoid hard conversations, telling people how we really feel, telling people when we have an issue. One of them is sometimes we're afraid of losing the relationship. We're afraid that a person will withdraw from us emotionally or physically. We're afraid of being yelled at or we don't want to receive someone's rage or blame about being confronted. We just don't want to get yelled at. I don't want to get you know, uh, reprimanded. I don't want to engage with you because I know if I confront you, you're going to yell at me. Um, I don't want to hurt you. If I, if I tell you what I really think about you, you're probably going to feel really bad about yourself. Hey, hey friend, can we talk real quick? I just think you're a pathetic loser. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> that's so kind. Or, you know, we don't want to be that person that's just constantly confronting people and telling them that there's a piece of food in their mouth, but we're afraid to tell them because we don't want to embarrass them. And you know your true friends, when they tell you you have something in your teeth, you're like, thank you, God bless you. I have toilet paper toilet paper on my, my shoe. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, been there. And you know, you, you kind of get mad at your friends when you find out that they haven't been telling you anything that you've been dealing with. And so sometimes we just don't want to hurt people. And, and also we're afraid at times of being the bad guy. We want to be seen as the nice person. Like, I don't notice any of your issues. I don't notice any of your faults. I just think you're amazing. You're blessed of God. You're beautiful and smart, and so we don't want to be the bad person. But I, I believe that true love is a risk. True love requires that we put ourselves out there, that we're vulnerable, that we're willing to have the hard conversation. 
And I think it boils down to we're afraid of hurting others, and we're afraid of being hurt ourselves. And so we're unwilling to put ourselves in a position of risk when it comes to love. And that, that is super dangerous. Uh, I want to read this quote by C.S. Lewis that I really like, and it talks about the, the nature of love as a risk. It says this, There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. It's a powerful quote. Love by nature is risk. It means we put ourselves in a place where we can be harmed, where we can hurt. And we need to care enough for each other that we're willing to share the deep issues of our lives, the conflicts we have in someone. And I, I just want to propose to all of us today that if you love someone, you're willing to confront someone. If you care for someone, you're willing to share with someone, hey, I care about this relationship relationship enough that I want to work through our issues. I'm not just going to fade away, fade away or ghost you whenever we have a problem, but I'm going to put myself in the awkward situation, in the difficult situation, because I care about this relationship, because I care about this community. I'm not going to avoid the hard conversations. Jesus actually specifically talks about this in the scripture, and I want, I want to talk about Jesus' simple plan for resolving conflict. In Matthew 5, starting in verse 23, Jesus says this, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gifts. Jesus does something really amazing here. He says, if you know someone has an issue with you, someone has a problem with you, he says, if you're about to worship, you're about to leave your gift at the altar, which was their style of worship, if you're about to do that, don't do it. In fact, leave the altar, leave the place of worship, and first be reconciled to your brother. Isn't it interesting that in this scripture, Jesus actually prioritizes reconciliation and relationships above worship? This is really amazing. And I think it shows the heart of God and the power of relationship. That it is not good for us to be alone. And as we've been talking about for this whole series for the last six weeks, we are in an epidemic of loneliness in America. About three out of four of us would feel like we're lonely or we don't have something to confide our true feelings 
in. We feel like we don't have a community or we don't have a family. We don't have someone we can bear our soul with. We are lonely as a society as modern conveniences are increasing and we can defer our loneliness by posting something on social media or we feel like we have thousands of followers or friends on Facebook but we don't have someone we can hang out with. We find ourselves looking at everybody else's lives, feel like they have community, they have friendships, but nobody really knows the true me. There is an epidemic of loneliness in America. And I love that Jesus is willing to say, hey, you are going to have issues. And when you have issues, here's what I want you to do. You are going to have problems. You are going to have fights. And uh, spoiler alert, for those of you who think Christians are perfect all the time, and when you're at church, nobody says mean things ever. Nobody is insensitive. Nobody is going to wrong you. Guess what? It's going to happen here at Kalos Church all the time because we are not perfect. Any perfect people here? No, you're not. Put your hand down. Put your hand down, Alex. All right. So (laughs) we are not perfect perfect people. And even in church, even as we're worshiping, even as we're hearing messages, even as we're opening up the scripture, even as we're trying to minister in our community, we're going to mess up. And I don't want us to have the pressure of trying to be perfect. Even as a pastor, I am going to mess up. I'm going to say the wrong words. I'm not going to be there sometimes when you need me the most and you're going to feel like I don't care about you and I don't love you. But the fact is, I'm not a perfect person and neither are you. And Jesus acknowledges that we are going to have issues, but we need to prioritize this and say, hey, it's not just me and God. It's not good for man or woman to be alone. It's not just us and God. It's this whole reality that I need you You need me, and we need us. Community is so important, but we get into these habits where we don't fight for relationships, and we're not willing to prioritize. Okay, if that church is going to treat me that way, I'm just going to ghost them. I'm going to fade away. I'm just going to stop going, and we're unwilling to deal with it. In our marriage, we're unwilling to deal with the elephant in the room, the realities. There's this quote that really moves me by Dr. Henry Cloud. He says this, Our hearts are to be open to each other. Where there is some unspoken, unaddressed, and unresolved area of conflict, our hearts can become closed. Nothing is more miserable than to be in a relationship with someone, yet disconnected from her or them at the same time. It doesn't feel right, because it isn't right. God did not design us for disconnected relationships. A conversation or a hard conversation, this might not be pleasant, but it is far better than a relationship that is living in death, where feelings of hurt, anger, conflicted love, and sadness never go away. Not talking about strong feelings doesn't make them go away. In fact, they become more pronounced in our attempts to live as they don't exist. The two people in this kind of relationship try to get along by skirting issues, their emotions, and ultimately their deep love for each other. And they end up with a shell of a relationship. We need to prioritize relationships. We need to have that hard conversation. We need to say, hey, I'm not okay with just, you know, being roommates or having a shell of a relationship or just people who occupy the same space at the same time. Like, this is important to me. Relationship means something to me. You know, the Latin term for confrontation or having a hard conversation Uh, is literally, it means to face towards someone, to turn your face towards them and look at them frontally. 
And so sometimes we think confrontation is this dirty word or this scary word, but confrontation literally means to say, hey, look at me. Hey, look at me in the eye. Hey, I care about you. Hey, I want to work this out. Hey, let's deal with this. Let's handle this. As opposed to, ah, I, I just don't have time to deal with this. Or I'm not going to talk to you because it's uncomfortable. I'm not going to handle this. With my son all the time, he loves to ignore me, which is frustrating. But sometimes I'll just say, Obi, my son's name is Obi, look at me. Look at me. He's, he's, he's you know, turning his head this way and that way, and I just say, look at me! I love you! I love you, son! Say something! Ticka, 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 ticka. That's all he says. Say something! I love you! I'm looking at you! Son, I'm here! I'm here! You're about to turn two in February! I'm right here! Do you have any requests? Just tell me! Let's work on our issues! You're crying! What's going on? What happened to your shirt? Like, I'm here, let's work this out. I confront him all the time. Does anybody else have kids that when they don't want to eat their food in a fit of rage, they take off their shirt? Is that normal? I need to try it out sometime. Red Robin, where's my burger? Confrontation literally means to look at someone face to face. It's not a dirty word. It's not, it's not something that Christians are above. It's important. It's relational. It's caring about someone. And in the scripture we see in Matthew 5, Jesus says, hey, if you know someone has a problem with you, he says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go, go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So if someone has a problem with you, you don't just wait for them to come to you. It says you go to them. But also in Matthew 18, 15 through 20, Jesus talking again, he says this, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. You know, many times we fall into two categories when it deals to biblical confrontation. Many of us, we're, we're unwilling to confront, right? We don't want to do it. We, we're afraid of losing the relationships, all those things I've mentioned. We're unwilling to confront, or we fall into this, this bucket where we confront unlovingly, okay? We're either unwilling to confront, or we confront unlovingly. And in this passage, Jesus gives, or he, in, in these passages, Jesus gives two ways that we are hurt. We can either hurt others or we can be hurt. And Jesus, in both situations, he says, take the initiative. It is up to you to go. Take the initiative. The ball is in your court. And I, I just want to share that. I agree with what the Bible says here. <laughs> if you have a problem with someone, tell them to their face. If you know someone has a problem with you, figure out how you can work it out with them. It's not our habit as Christians where when we have a problem with someone or someone has a problem, we bash that person to the rest of our friends. 
We vent about it to everybody else. We discuss it over and over, and we turn people against them, and we make people who don't even know the full story to hate others. No, as Christians, if your brother sins against you, Jesus says, go to them. As Christians, if you know your brother has an issue with you, you go to them. The ball is in your court. I remember when uh, Amrita and I were living in Korea, there, there was this girl who for some reason always wanted to compete with Amrita. She always tried to outdo her and outperform her, and it got really annoying. And Amrita says, have you noticed this? I'm like, yeah, I have. Have you noticed that this person treats me pretty poorly? Yeah, I have. What is going on? And she says, what, what should I do? I'm like, go talk to her. She says, I don't really want to talk to her. That seems like an uncomfortable conversation. And uh, I, you know, honey, you just don't understand girl drama, okay? <laughs> Guys, you could just say something to them and you'll just fight and, you know, play some video games and you'll work it out. Girls, if you confront them, it lingers. It's like a fart. It stays. It permeates every part of the room and our reality. You can't, you can't just tell someone that you have a problem with them. You have to pretend like it doesn't exist for all eternity. <laughs> she didn't say that. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But uh, uh, she says, well, I, I just can't, I can't stand this anymore. And I say, hey, have, have a card, hard conversation with her. Okay. And so Amrita, she didn't want to have this conversation. She actually was going to this person, and so I pulled out a, a, a computer, and I, I started playing Eye of the Tiger before she went to talk to this girl. <laughs> Boom. Bum, 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 sing it if you know it. Bum, 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 And so she's getting pumped. Yeah, I'm gonna confront this person. I'm like, you tell her what you feel. You tell her that you hate her and you want her to die. She's like, no, what? No, I, that's not how it. That's not how I feel. I like, you just say it. I'm like, I'm like getting carried away with the music. You punch her right in the face. You do it for America. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to this girl. It's been awkward for months. She finally has the hard conversation, and something really weird happens. As Amrita's telling her everything she doesn't like about the girl, the girl also shares her problems. By the end of the conversation, they felt like they wanted to be really good friends. And Amrita was, she was ready to get rid of this friendship. And I kind of advised her, like, hey, if she's going to treat you poorly, just cut it off. Like, you don't, you, you have lots of friends. You know, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated, that whole kind of thing. Uh, it, but something really interesting happened. As they finally let it out, they realized that light got into the darkness. Being honest created room for love. And their friendship was restored. And I, I just think that's amazing. There are a lot of us that we're unwilling to confront. And I think that's why our friendships or our family member relationships, they can often just fade away. But if we were willing to do what Jesus said, someone has a problem with us or we have a problem with them, if we would just confront them, talk to them, look at them face to face, not bash them, not just vent, deal with the issue, I think we would prove that we really love people, that we really care enough to share. We need to have the hard conversations. And when we have these hard conversations, like I said, some of us are unwilling to have them. Some of us are unloving when we have them. And uh, 
before I get into that, I, I just want to say, like, real frankly, you know, a lot of times as a pastor, people tell me the issues they have with other people. And one of the most common questions I have is, well, what did they say when you told them about it? And people often respond, well, I haven't told them. How long has it been? Well, it's been like six months since I've had this issue with them. What did they say when you told them about it? I haven't told them. So what, what, do you expect them to read your mind? Do they even know you have an issue with them? Well, they, they should know. They should just know better. What if they have an issue to, uh, with you? Do you know about that? Or would you rather them tell you directly? Well, yeah, they should tell me directly. If someone has a problem with me, I don't care. You tell me to my face. But you won't tell them the problem you have with them? No, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm like, do you see what's happening? <laughs> and that's why avoiding conflict is such a community killer. Because when you refuse to deal with issues, the issues grow. Avoiding conflict increases conflict. Avoiding conflict increases conflict. And on top of that, it's just not biblical. Jesus tells us, go to them. Settle the matter quickly. Resolve it. Do it even before you worship. And we, I, I love, I love counselors. I love therapy. I'm all for it. I love having friends that you can confide in. But I'm telling you what, Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you have a problem with issue, tell everybody. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you have a problem with someone, pretend like everything is okay. Jesus doesn't say, if you have a problem with something or somebody, just journal about it. No, he says, go to them directly. Go to them directly. In this room, I guarantee there are some unsettled issues. There are problems you have in your relationships, and we do the cowardly thing. We pretend like it doesn't exist. And to me, if you're unwilling to confront someone, to me, that proves that you don't care about the relationship. You're willing to let the potential for things to just fade away happen. But at Kalos Church, we want to be a community that loves one another, amen? We want to be a community that acknowledges things aren't always perfect, but we can get through with anything. We can get through anything. And what happens when you fight out something? By the end of it, you feel closer to them than you've ever felt before. It's awesome. And so we oftentimes are unwilling to confront, but we're also sometimes confronting in an unloving way. I want to read this. In Matthew 7, it says this, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is no log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, we need to really seek to understand before we seek to be understood. And what I want to say is, when you have your confrontations, this, this message is by no means exhaustive, but when you have your confrontation, do it in a loving way. And before you confront someone on all their issues, take a hard look at yourself. Take the speck out of your own eye, or, or the log out of your own eye before you, you nitpick someone else. Deal with your own issues. Make sure that you're not being just abrasive and using you language. You suck. You're an idiot. You're going to die. You are a bad person. Okay? It's more of like, hey, this is what I can take ownership of. 
I feel hurt. I feel betrayed. I feel like you're not listening to me. I feel like you don't have time for me. I feel like you don't care about me. I feel like you're just mean to me. I feel like you take me for granted. I feel like you like others more than me. I feel instead of you did this, you did that, you are a bad person. Hey, and this is what I did wrong. I take ownership of that. And you know, there's these two concepts. There's reconciliation, where Jesus says, hey, you can win back your brother, and there's agreement, and we just need to be, you know, real. You're not going to agree with everybody. There might be some issues that you just agree to disagree on, but what we can always do is fight for reconciliation, which means we are going to fight for the restoration of a relationship. You know, a couple years ago, one of my best friends, he, uh, he and I were in Michigan, and uh, I just felt like hey, you're, you're treating me really poorly. I, I just don't like how you're treating me. And so I, I would like to have a conversation with you next week. Is that okay? He's like, all right, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the heads up. And uh, actually, Amritha and I met with this couple. We, just let, we said exactly that, like that. Hey, we just feel like you're taking it, us for granted. We feel like you're always preferring other people. We feel like you're not treating us like good friends. And if that's how this friendship is going to be, hey, that's totally okay. But we, we just need to, like, figure out where are we? Like, are we as close to friends as we say we are? Do you really value this relationship? Because we, we are willing to, you know, reprioritize this relationship. Maybe this isn't what we thought it was. Maybe this isn't what you want. Maybe this isn't what we want. And so should we walk away from this friendship and just be acquaintances? Or what do you want to happen here? And they immediately began to cry. They're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know I was treating you that way. Like, can we, can we work that out? And then we, you know, we said, like, a lot of eye language. Hey, I'm sorry. I did this. I didn't mean to hurt you. And this whole idea of reconciliation versus agreement, I think, is super important. It's saying that, hey, we may not see eye to eye on everything. We may not agree about everything but I am willing to fight for this relationship. I'm willing to seek to understand before seeking to understand because I'm not trying to win an argument. I'm trying to win a friendship. It's not you against me. It's us against the problem. It's not you against me. It's us against the problem. Oftentimes, we're trying to win the argument, but we lose the friend. We try to win the argument, but we lose the relationship. And so I think it's important for us as a biblical community to say, hey, it's not you versus me, it's us against the problem. I'm willing to take the speck out of your eye, but I'm willing to take the log out of my eye first. Amen? And so I, I just want to quite practically challenge everybody here to have a hard conversation. Don't just have these imaginary conversations in your head. Don't just win arguments you know, when you reprocess this with your family or your friends, go directly to the person. Let's not be uh, just cowardly, where we're unwilling to do the hard thing. Let's not be unloving, where we're not willing to give someone a chance to work out issues with us. You know, I, I was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I think our third sermon I talked about how I was really hurt by the church. And in fact, I got so hurt in the church. And band, you guys can come up. I was so hurt in the church 
that I, uh, I ended up leaving the ministry. I was a pastor at this church and kind of a glorified intern pastor at this church. So I wasn't really getting paid, but I was doing a lot of work, and it was awesome. And uh, I, I was so hurt. There's so many relational, um, painful conversations that I had. And in a fit of rage, I moved to Korea to get my master's in education because I was just so hurt, so down, so disheartened. And after a couple of years, I felt like I was supposed to write a letter to the person that I felt hurt by. And in that letter, I shared all the issues I had with them and all the issues I'm taking ownership of. I'm sorry I treated you this way. I'm not okay that you treated me this way. I'm sorry that I said this. I don't think it's okay that you said this to me. And something began to happen in that relationship. We began to, over years, work things out, and we fought for the relationship. And it, it was super powerful. And just uh, two weeks ago, that person actually came here to Washington. And Amritha and I, we were able, able to sit down with him and his wife for almost three, four hours and just laugh together, pray for each other, cry together, because we decided to just be real with our relationship. Be real with confrontation. Be real with our issues. And it made all the difference. And, uh, you know, this, this is a pretty hard sermon to talk about because I, I realize that many of us, we don't want to have that conversation. We know that there's pain in our, our hearts or our minds. We know that people have wronged us. We know that people have issues with us, but we're afraid of having the conversation. And so my prayer is that as we finish this series on community, that we would care about each other, that we would actually take time to love one another, that we'd say, hey, I'm, I'm willing to fight for a relationship with you. I'm willing to deal with our issues. Why don't we close our eyes right now and bow our heads? But who, who is that person you need to have a hard conversation with? Who is that person that you, you're just struggling with? And you, you've maybe chosen to gossip about them or talk to a lot of people about them, but you just, for some reason, refuse to talk to them. Who is that? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd reveal to us these people in our lives that have hurt us or we've hurt them and we need to resolve them. Let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to speak that to us. Lord, would you share with us if we're harboring any grudge, oh Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us in this moment. Dear Father, I pray that we'd be a community that loves each other. I pray that we'd be a community that works through issues. Oh Jesus, I pray that you bring light into darkness. Lord, we give you our whole lives. We want to love one another just like you loved us, Jesus. And if we've hurt someone, let us know. Lord, if we need courage, I pray that you give us courage. If we need boldness, I pray that you give us boldness. I pray that we wouldn't be people who are unwilling to confront. I also pray that we wouldn't be unloving in our confrontation. And I just want you right now, as you're thinking about that name or that person, the person you need to have a hard conversation with right now, I pray that you just say, Lord, I, I'll do things your way. Jesus, I will settle this matter with them. I will do things your way. I'm not going to make people read my mind. 
I'm not going to turn others against them. I'm going to deal with them directly. I'm going to do this the biblical way. You guys can look at me. Would you just nod your head if you feel like maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now? That's awesome. He's giving you a name or a person to talk to. It's, it's super scary. I admit it. But it's worth it. Amen? It's worth it for the sake of community, for the sake of relationships, for the sake of love. And I, I just want to be real with you. I'm so thankful that Jesus did this for us. You know, while we were still sinners, Jesus loved us. While we were messed up, Jesus went after us. He didn't just ignore us and leave us in our pain, leave us in our mistakes. When we said, Jesus, I, want, I can do things better than you say. When we said to God, I want to do things my way. He didn't just leave us. He pursued us, and he went after us, and he loved us. And he said, hey, how can we handle this? And he confronted us. He said, hey, I want, I want to look at you. I want to be with you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross that our mistakes, that our sins could be replaced with the beauty of Jesus, a new life, a fresh start. And I realize that there are people in here, you've been wallowing in shame and regret and mistakes, and you need forgiveness, you need a fresh start, you need Jesus. And right now, I want to give everybody an opportunity to say, hey, Pastor Pradeepan, I, I'm sick of living on my own, doing things my way. I want, I want to be forgiven. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to follow his ways. And so I just want us to close our eyes and bow our heads one more time. It's one last time and make this a holy, private, sacred moment. If you're in this place and you're just saying, hey, I, I need forgiveness. I need that fresh start. I want to give my life to Jesus. On the count of three, uh, I'm just going to ask you to boldly raise your hand so that I can pray for you. So you can make the decision right now to say, Jesus, I want you. I want your forgiveness. I want a fresh life with you. If that's you in this place, and you're saying, Pastor Pradeepan, please pray for me. On the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Let's raise your hand so I can see it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to lead us all in a prayer. The words will be on the screen. And, uh, We'll, we'll say it all at the same time, and this isn't a magic spell or anything, but it's just maybe some words to help us articulate what we're feeling. So let's say this all at the same time, shall we? God, thank you for loving me. Right now, I choose to follow the ways of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I've made mistakes. Please forgive me and help me turn from my old ways forever. Amen. You know, I saw some hands here, people making decisions to receive the love of Jesus. That's amazing. Can we give Jesus a round of applause in this place? It's amazing. And so, why don't we stand up to our feet right now? We're just going to sing this chorus real quick. And I just want us to look at Jesus in this moment, that we would freely receive from Jesus, that we would have the strength to resolve issues, that we would have the strength to have hard conversations, and that we'd be a community that believes in love and confrontation and working issues out in the name of Jesus. Amen.